Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy today's service. It's like you're a bodyguard and your protectee has an underdeveloped brain. And they have a habit of just running into oncoming traffic or, or a favorite hobby of picking up and eating small chokeable objects. And all throughout the day as this mom, you have to protect, you have to sweep every room and make sure that it's safe. You have to guard all access points and exit and escape routes to make sure that no matter what, that your protectee is safe. And I know, I know what you moms of young toddlers want. You moms who are in the throw of cleaning up bodily fluids on car seats and carpets, I know what you want for Mother's Day. You who hide in the bathroom for just a moment's peace, but as soon as you're there, a little hand reaches under the door sliding a package of ham, and a little voice, Mama, can you open the ham for me? I know what you want for Mother's Day. You want a hotel room and some melatonin, and I hope you get it. I really hope you get that for Mother's Day. And then we think, well, when my kids are teenagers, it'll be easier. When they're no longer toddlers and they're teenagers, it's not easier, it's just different. I wonder if God looked over all creation and he said to himself, I want to see what they think of it to create someone in their own image who denies their very existence. <laughs> I've read the Bible from cover to cover several times and nowhere on those pages does it specifically say what age the devil was when he rejected God's authority and rebelled against everything. But I'm going to say 13. <laughs> I don't know. But if you learn to speak the language of your teenager, it helps. I've worked with teenagers for over 25 years. And, it, and if you can just learn their language, it goes a long way. So let's imagine that your daughter approaches you and says, I would like to go to the mall. Would you take me? If you just say, do I have to? They really understand that. And then if you ignore it and don't answer them for a while and they come back and they say, well, are you going to take me to the mall? Then you can say, I was going to do it. And all of a sudden, you're speaking their language. So whatever stage of parenting you're in, whether you've raised or are raising, happy Mother's Day to you all. Pastor Tim asked me to speak this morning, and when he did, I knew right away that I wanted to use the story we find in John chapter 4. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 4, it says this, Jesus... He, Jesus, had to go through Samaria on the way. And I find this verse kind of odd because technically he didn't have to go through Samaria. 
due to a lack of travel route. There were tons of routes he could have taken. In fact, in this day and age, any respectable Jewish man would have intentionally gone around Samaria. They would have been willing to walk a day or two out of the way if necessary to not have to go through Samaria. And it was because of this age-old religious dispute between Jews and Samaritans. Jews looked down on Samaritan people. They thought they were less than them. Sort of like a Bronco fan looks down on a Raiders fan. Or a Patriots fan looks down on everybody else. But this wasn't just a sports rivalry for them. The animosity between Jews and Samaritans had to do with this intense religious dispute. There was rules about where to worship. The Jews thought worship in the temple in Jerusalem, but the Samaritans thought you should worship on this mountain in Samaria. So Jesus had all kinds of travel routes he could have taken to get around Samaria, but he had to go through it, he said. Why? What compelled Jesus to go through Samaria? What was his reason? I think Jesus had to go through Samaria because he had to have an encounter with one particular person. A person who was tired, who was weary, who was exhausted. He had to go to that person and have this encounter with them. A person he knew was hurt and rejected and judged. And Jesus had to go through Samaria because it mattered to him to have that encounter. And the truth is this, that he will do the same for you. He will do the same for you. We see when Jesus sees us sitting on the side of the road, hurt, beat up, overwhelmed, angry, frustrated, what have you, Jesus will turn aside and come for us as well. This morning, four steps to refresh our soul and the first one is know that Jesus turns aside for you. Maybe you're used to being the person that turns aside for everyone else. You're the one that stops what you're doing to go and help, support, or love another person. But Jesus is the one who turns aside for you. He sees you and he comes for you. The Bible says in Luke 19, Jesus tells us his mission. And it says this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which has lost. The Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. So what have you lost that Jesus can help you find? Have you lost that joy? Have, was it hope that was lost? Have you lost that security, that confidence? Was it your health that was lost? Whatever it was that was lost, Jesus is willing to help you find that. And we have to have the courage to say, Jesus, I need help to find this piece of myself that's lost. And that becomes a prayer. We say, Jesus, help me find my joy. Help me find my strength. Help me have my confidence again. The Bible tells us that Jesus came to seek, to search for, to hunt for that which was lost. And the first thing that's lost is a, a human soul that doesn't know Christ. Of course, that's lost. And Jesus comes to bring that and restore that to the Father. But he also comes to restore wholeness after he saves us. He, he wants us to have a whole life. And so if we're missing something, what he's asking us to do is to take him by the hand. He already knows where the thing got left. He already knows where that which we've lost, where it is. He doesn't need help finding it. He just wants to go on the journey with us and we'll find it 
in his presence. Verse 5, it says, Eventually he came to a Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from a long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. So Jesus asked the woman for a drink. If I had a dollar for every time a mother in this room was asked by someone for a drink, I could take us all to Cancun. But Jesus, Jesus asked this woman for a drink. Verse 8, it says, he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. Have you ever tried to buy food with a group of people? It's impossible. Someone has like a dairy allergy, someone else is lactose intolerant, someone else is allergic to shellfish, and then there's always that one guy that's trying to be healthy. And so when you try to merge all of these things, and this happens from time to time on our church staff, someone decides that they're going to go on a health kick. Maybe they're going to do like Optavia, or they're going to join Weight Watchers, or 21 Day Fix, or Keto, or what have you. Somehow they're going to be healthy, but they never want to just do it alone. So they try to recruit the rest of us on staff to join them in their health kick and a lot of us get suckered in every time. Now I praise God there's not a limit to the number of times you're allowed to start a diet. They, they don't cut you off because starting is way more fun than finishing. But when we're all on one of these health kicks together, we might be sitting around the lunchroom, I don't know, eating celery or something and everybody's starving, right? And so what people end up talking about is Recipes, like what can we actually eat that fits into whatever, you know, famous diet we're doing right now. And so one time somebody goes, you know, I got a great recipe for chocolate cake. So what you do, you get a teaspoon of cocoa, dump that in there. And then you get an egg white, whip that up, add that. Then you just get a dollop of water, put it in there. Then you pray over it. You put it in the microwave chocolate cake. And someone is like, they're so hungry, they're crying at the idea of chocolate cake. Another person's got their iPhone out, like making a video to remember the recipe. And then someone else will say, you know, there's this fat-free, sugar-free chocolate chip mint ice cream, but you can only get it at the Dollar General in Fruta every other Tuesday. And someone realizes it's Tuesday, and people start throwing chairs and like running I don't know what it was that the disciples were trying to get food-wise in the village, um, but they're gone, and Jesus is here having this conversation with a woman. Verse 9, it says, The woman was surprised, for Jews refuse to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? This woman is frustrated. She's tired. She doesn't need one more thing to do. So what she does is she tries to pick a centuries-old fight between the Jews and Samaritans. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. Because Jesus is way more concerned about people than religious procedures. He's way more concerned about the person he's talking to than the rules of worship. So he sort of sidesteps that argument and he goes around it. If you're a husband or an adult child in the room today, I just want to encourage you to write this down. Sidestep any arguments with the women in your life today. Just write that down. You can thank me for that one later. Um, 
Verse 10, it says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift of God that he has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Jesus is offering something far better than this woman has on her own strength. He's offering to refill her with something that will never run out. And so often we're in our own lives and we're living our own lives on our own strength. We're doing it on our own strength and at some point our own strength always runs out. And that's the beauty of Jesus' offer. He's saying, he's offering us something that will never run dry. That's the second step to refill our soul is accept Jesus' offer to refill your soul. Jesus is saying he has something better to drink, something that will never run out and will truly satisfy. And he's not talking about the latest pour-over coffee. He's not talking about something that's going to caffeinate our soul or caffeinate our bodies so that we can accomplish more things. He's not talking about something that's going to give us the energy to go out and do more. He's talking about something that will strengthen and refresh our soul so that we can be more. Not do more, but be more. That's what the offer is. Matthew 11, it says this way, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So Jesus knows that life is heavy, that it's tiring sometimes. And he offers this refreshing and this refilling that doesn't run dry. And he says, you can come to me and you can bring everything that you're carrying, everything that you're weighed down with, and I will restore and I'll give you rest. So how do we actually get that rest? By spending time with Jesus every day. That's how we get the rest. And you might be thinking, I'm too busy. I've got a spouse, I've got kids, I've got work, I've got the schedule, all their things. Like, how I don't have five minutes to myself, much have time to, to tuck in to Jesus. How will I ever add that to my schedule? And I find it so fascinating that Jesus has this encounter with the woman, not at the temple and not at the synagogue. He has this encounter with the woman in the middle of her chore list at the village well. While she's doing her daily chores, she encounters God in a way that he's offering her something to refill and refresh her soul. The busier we are, the more desperate we've got to be for that encounter with him. The busier we are, the more we have to make sure that we press into him for that rest. Philippians 4 basically says, trade our worries for his rest. Let's read it. Verse 6, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we've been in this Chosen series. And the scene in the Chosen series that depicts John chapter 4 is amazing. It's really, really close to exactly what the Bible says. And when I watch this clip, I think this is probably what the conversation looked like. Let's jump into it. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here 
that it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. <sighs> and you know these things, because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. Everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait! <laughs> your water. You forgot your um. by the way, we never find out her name. The Bible never says her name, and in this way she represents all of us, men and women. She represents us all, and she runs off after this encounter with Jesus, having finally received the love, having finally received the acceptance that she's been looking for her entire life. She runs, and she leaves behind her water jars. I think she leaves him at the well because she realizes that she's been carrying something that was never 
going to satisfy. Verse 28, it says, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran into the village telling everyone, come and see. The third step to refilling and refreshing a weary and tired soul is this, lay down the burden you carry at his feet. Lay down the burden at his feet. The number one way everyone in the whole village knew that something incredible had happened was that this woman was, was different. Jesus had told her everything she'd ever done. And you might look at that initially and think, well, that's kind of judgy. But he actually told her everything she'd ever done about all five husbands because he wanted her to know, I saw all of it, I see all of it. I still accept you. I still love you. I still choose you. I still receive you. And because of that, she was able to become light and lay down that burden. So maybe this morning you're carrying shame or you're carrying fear or disappointment or rejection or grief or worry at some level. Challenge you, lay it, lay it down. Let it go. Leave it at the feet of Jesus. And if you do that, you will have a lightness about you that people will recognize. This new freedom that she had to find her purpose and to be whole, and everyone around her wanted that too. Back to the village, telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. And Jesus then ministered to these people and he did tons of miracles in their midst and he taught them for several days and tons of their lives were transformed. Now I want to back up in the story a little bit. It's in the, it was in the chosen clip, it's also in the scriptures in verse 23. It says, but, and Jesus is speaking and it says, but the time is coming and is now here. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who worship him in that way. That's the fourth step to refilling the weary soul is to be a worshiper that the Father sees. There is something that Jesus was searching for. It was the reason he had to go through Samaria. He had to find this woman. He was searching, he was drawn to it. It's the reason that the Spirit of God shows up every time we come together at fellowship, every time we worship and we sing, the Spirit shows up because he's attracted to authentic worship. But what is authentic and true worship? Worshiping in spirit and in truth. Is it songs we sing? I think it's part of it. But I think it's really more about the surrender than the song. I think it's more about the laying down of our lives and our burdens at his feet than it is the lyrics that we sing. And so when, when Jesus is talking about true worship in spirit and in truth, I think he's talking about obedience and surrender more than singing. Yes, we should sing. Singing is awesome. I have a horrible voice. I'm not great at it, but I worship with my song anyways. But it's not about that. It's about the whole package of saying, Jesus, you are the Lord, the leader of my life. You, I surrender to, to you. It's not my will, but your will be done. And when we worship in that level of obedience, a strength comes to us that's supernatural. 2 Chronicles 16 says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth. So 
God's looking again. Search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. God is looking for those who will be fully committed to them, him. And when he finds them, he brings them strength. Brings them strength to overcome the weariness, the tiredness of the soul. That's the living water. And I know that there are many who are weary in this room. Maybe you're weary from your job or you're weary from a stress no one even knows about. Maybe it's family stuff, but many of us are weary. And if you're weary, I want to pray over you. And I especially want to pray over the moms. So if you're a mom or a stepmom or foster mom or a grandmom or a Gigi or a Nana or a Grana or a Nima or any of the mom things, would you stand? If you're a mom, I already know that you're probably weary. <laughs> but if you're not a mom and you're weary, this prayer is for you too. God, I ask in the powerful name of Jesus that you would refresh the souls of each one. God, that you would refresh and bring strength as we fully commit to you, that you would search for us, you would turn aside for us, you would come for us, that you would give us the courage to lay down the worry and the burdens that we carry and to know that you're able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond. We're not required to get through this life on our own strength, but on your strength. And God, I ask that you would impart that to each one this morning. Give us your strength. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, church family, we love you. Happy Mother's Day to all your moms, and we'll see you next Sunday morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on a cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you have just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you need prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this is your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.